The following is John's full conversation with Dr. Catherine Norton Coffey from our first episode. It focuses on play and games in elementary math classrooms. Welcome, I'm Dave. I'm John. And this is Teaching Like Ted Lasso. Dr. Catherine Norton Coffey is the elementary math specialist for Muskegon Public Schools. Her academic interests include curriculum, instruction, and the use of games in teaching and learning mathematics. Full disclosure, Dave is Kathy's spouse. This discussion was recorded over Zoom. Very happy to uh, welcome Kathy Coffey to the uh, Teaching Like Ted Lasso podcast. Um, you may notice a connection with um, uh, the my co-host and the progenitor of Teaching Like Ted Lasso. Uh, welcome, Kathy. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Um, I always wanted to say that. I feel like I'm on NPR. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I should be doing my Terry Gross impersonation. Especially happy to have you on here and get to talk to you about this because uh, you are a teacher that I've learned from so much, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, through the connection with Dave, um, you uh, had me in your classroom a couple times and you're connecting uh, mathematics with literacy was just really inspirational as well as uh, so many of the things uh, from your literacy teaching and then coaching. Um, so I am uh, super excited to, to have you talking about these things today. Well, thank um, you. You started elementary teaching in 1997 um, and you were just telling me how really it started with a trip to Toys R Us. It did. Yeah, uh, I guess hired the day school started, um, an abundance of kindergartners, and um, they needed a, an extra halftime section. So I got hired and they gave me the credit card and sent me to buy some toys and games for the um, like for the kitchen and, you know, the housekeeping center and for the sand um the sand table and measuring cups and you know other play items for the sandbox or the sand table and yeah it started out with play yeah um so um after teaching for a few years you became a literacy specialist uh both kind of in your own training and then in coaching other teachers um what did how did that kind of expand your teaching or change what was happening in your classroom? What was really nice about it, um, I went to a, a summer institute on literacy and I that's when I got uh, exposed to Mosaic of Thought, um, Debbie, Miller's, um, mm -hmm. Debbie Miller's work and all that. And what was really nice for me was that that training was job embedded. So I didn't leave the classroom. I was still uh, a classroom teacher and had release days um, because the training was happening, um, you know, during the school year at release days for the trainings and then was uh, also coaching at the same time. So I was, I felt like it gave me some credibility because I'm still teaching, but I'm also doing, was doing some coaching a few, like every month we had a week where we had a few days off and our coach would come and we uh, did, she did side-by-side -side coaching. Um, and how did it change? Your question was, how did it change? either your understanding of teaching or kind of change what was happening in your classroom? Yeah, I think that um, 
it, I guess I kind of always saw myself more as a facilitator than like a, a deliverer of knowledge. And so, but it really, it, it reinforced that for me that uh, for the, for my, I saw teaching more as being a facilitator and teaching kids how to learn themselves, how to discover things and how to learn. I mean, it really gets into that, just reinforce that constructivist kind of um, disposition that I really already had. Yeah. And it feels like there's a kind of a deep connection between discovery and play. Mm -hmm. There is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I mean. Go ahead. I think that kids learn so much better when they're discovering it themselves than when, I mean, you can kind of, you can ask purposeful questions and you can lead them to certain ideas or, you know, give them experiences that will help them come to something. But I think they, they learn better when they come to it themselves. And and a lot of that happens through play. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so eventually though, you did leave the classroom uh, to pursue a, a doctorate in education. I did, yep. Um, uh, do you want to talk about kind of what you specialized in or do you? Sure. Um, well, I wanted to be a principal. I don't know if I ever told you I wanted to be a principal because I, I thought, you know, kind of kind of went through this progression of, you know, I taught for that seven or eight years and then started doing the le- kind of the coaching and some leadership with adults. And I felt like I could make an impact potentially making a bigger impact even as a building leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started, I did a, uh, an ed specialist through Grand Valley and um, Grand Valley has a cooperative program with Eastern Michigan University where your credits, um, those credits for your specialist transfer over to um, your PhD. So you're, you're not quite halfway done, but you know, it's, it's, it's about that. Stuff, so my, yeah. actually my PhD is in education leadership. Okay. So, um, but the thing I learned one in one of my defense, when I think I was defending my proposal, um, one of my um, committee members asked me, so what do you want to learn from this? Oh, I, had, wow. I had prepared for every question on earth except for that one. And I, I really didn't know. Uh, and it, I really didn't know. Um, and then when it got to actually my final defense, I was prepared and I, I knew he wouldn't like what he heard, <laughs> what I was say. but what I learned was that um, that I didn't really want to be a principal. <laughs> that yeah. that I really that it I it, that evaluative nature of being a principal was not because my well my research was around teacher about the 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 impact and the lived experience of teachers in Michigan. Um, around the legislation of the teacher ed- teacher evaluation um, that happened, I think in, 20, in 2011. I think right. that's when Michigan adopted some of that. And the experiences that the teachers had were just miserable and horrible. And it's like, I learned, I really don't wanna be um, doing something like that to, to or with teachers. And, and because of the legislation, there's really no way around it. You can't be a principal and not do these things. I mean, there's right. probably ways that um, they might not have to be the experiences that the teachers had, but I didn't interview anybody that had a good experience in any way. It was always fraught with anxiety and fear and dread. And even even if they loved their principal, it was just 
not something that's yeah, not something the process that. wasn't good right. so so that yeah so that's um and maybe that goes with the play i don't want to <laughs> I, I don't want to be this serious i mean i i don't want to have to evaluate in that way like kind of a you know ends up kind of being a punitive way or i don't want to yeah so yeah i don't know i think it's, it sounds um, like maybe we should have you back for the uh be curious not judgmental uh, oh maybe yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe um, yeah all right so so <laughs> true to that you are not a principal you're uh, I am the, not. No. you're the elementary math specialist for muskegon public schools and right. um what does that work involve Oh, uh, it involves, uh, it's a whole host of things, but I support four buildings, elementary buildings of element K-5 elementary teachers. Everything I do is non-evaluative. <laughs> it's the perfect position for me. Um, I support them with implementing our everyday math, the everyday math curriculum that we're currently using. Um, in fact, we'll be starting a, we're on a seven-year curriculum cycle, so we'll be starting a curriculum study uh, also at the, uh, near the end of this year, I, I think that's when it's supposed to start in March or something. Uh, okay. I've never done that before. So that'll be interesting, but I, I manage materials. I make sure they have the math journals that they need and uh, get that going. I, um, do in-house professional development for new teachers on okay. using the curriculum. I, um, started in 20. 2020-21 started a math leadership team, a K-5 math leadership team that um, does a, well, we did a week-long institute on, you know, really digging into our curriculum and in um, everyday math has a, 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 I don't know, a policy is not the right word, but they say that, you know, there are certain essential components that are must-dos in there in each lesson. It's the mm -hmm. warm-up, the math message, the math message follow-up and then the summarize. And then there's so much more involved in the lesson and because it's a full um, full service curriculum, if you will, that you right. can't possibly do all of the options in a day. And that kind of sets, sets um, some teachers back because they end up focusing on some things that might not be really important necessarily. So we met um, and they we developed some, um, we call it the guaranteed components for each grade level. And it was the, you know, we took for granted that the warm up, the math message and the summarize were the already given essentials. And then the teachers decided as a team, what are the other components within each lesson that we guarantee that every Muskegon Public School student will experience. Um, and then if you wanna do more, you can do more. Uh, yeah. If a teacher wants to do more. Well, so I love, yeah, and I just love, I love the nature of like the collaborative nature and the capacity building kind of ways you've structured, you've structured yes. the leadership team and, and, and your work there. Yeah, we had, I had lots of help from the, I, my friends at the ISD, Kristen, from the call it Kristen Frank, she's um, no longer with Muskegon ISD, she's with Math Recovery right. um, now at the national level, and then Daniel Voskul and Carrie Carlson and Lauren Johnson um, Lauren Johnson's actually a, a Muskegon public um, school teacher, but she's a, she actually a, 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 our, one of our reading facilitators, but she's also a math recovery person. So they really helped and we kept focused that um, building capacity in our teachers was number one that we wanted to, that we wanted to do. We want to build their math 
um, confidence and knowledge and also them as, you know, their capacity to do this work. Yeah. Oh, terrific. Okay. So um, I could talk to you all day about teaching stuff. So, but we have a purpose here. Um, okay. <laughs> so we're trying to think about um, uh, play in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And so uh, where do you see, or, or what's the, the nature of um, why play should happen in lessons? And we're talking specifically with math or just with teaching or? Um, you can tell, I mean, you, because Dave and I, right? So we come to it from this math perspective, um, sure. uh, but uh, we're interested in just kind of in school and teaching and learning. Right. I mean, I think it's important for all subject areas. I mean, I think about first graders, I think like, at the beginning of the year, some of the read to self things they're doing, they're playing, right? They're, it's, I mean, mm. they're, they're um, emulating or simulating what, what real readers do. They might not really be reading yet, but they are still, mm. they're playing with books and they're playing with that language. Um, and then in math, I just think if I, I have the, uh, a philosophy that games are to math as books are to reading, that kids just, they have to play games in order to, you know, to, well, to give them a purpose, number one, and to be able to have fun while they're learning, it has to be, you know, something, um, if you want to learn something, it should be pleasurable. So they, they, the games give them that context as well. Um, so I just think it's an essential part of, of, of learning and education in, and I think if that's K-12, or, or actually probably K, you know, more than, K to 101. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, no, I think it's essential. But that, and I, and I think that um, it just sets a context where you're, they're learning and they're almost even unaware that they're learning. Right. And they, and yet they are. Yeah. Because the engagement's there and mm -hmm. um, they, they, they try so many more things than they ever would on a worksheet or on an assignment. Right. And I don't know, Dave, Dave's, this is Dave's quote, not mine. So I'm going to kind of steal it. I think, is it Piaget who says that when children play, they, um, they try things out that are beyond what they normally could do. And, mm. and that's probably not the exact wording, but I think they do. They try that. And then they also, the play takes away that evaluative piece, right? It, Mm -hmm. It it allows them to make mistakes and try things out and develop strategies with whether it's math or reading, right? Um, so yeah, I just think it sets a, um, a a good environment for learning. Yeah, it was interesting. Last year we were working with a first grader who, at the very start of the semester, um, that evaluation piece was big to her. Like if she didn't win the game. Mm -hmm. you know she was mad that something had mm -hmm. she had done something wrong and as she got kind of freed from that it was amazing to see her engage throughout the semester mm -hmm. and then like learn to congratulate you know the the other first graders she was playing with and you know could talk about it being a good game independent of whether she won or lost right mm -hmm. she enjoyed right, the right. and i think you can develop <clears throat> cooperative games too where you're 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 the you're you're the team and it's the team that wins right. not not as necessarily individuals yeah. so, 
for those students who have struggled with that. So um, in your, I don't mean to cut you off. That's okay. Okay. I'm good. Um, uh, so um, in your work with teachers and um, you mentioned while we were chatting before about everyday math really comes prepare, you know, it's chock full of games. Um, do you feel like um, you've seen barriers to teachers for them being able to use the games or barriers to introducing play into the classroom? I do, I have, and I, 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 one of the things that I just really um, emphasize in the work that I do is that we have to play these, the games, the games are for practice, the game in the games are for memory, for memory, like to keep the, the strategies and let's see, even if it's just fact, it keeps them in mind and it keeps kids coming back to them. Mm -hmm. um, but this, I think some of the barriers are that we don't think play is serious. That, that mm -hmm. That's not the teaching only is happening. The learning is only happening when a, a teacher is actually, you know, speaking and teaching. That, right. that can be one, not with every, and I think it varies. Not It's not like every teacher has this, the exact same set of barriers, right? Different, right. different people. Um, but it, organizing them is also a challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, getting them organized. How am I going to do this? How am I going to make the materials manageable? Because it always involves pieces and parts and right. um, paper. And um, if I want them to do this every every day or a few times a week, uh, am I going to have to print papers, or is there some way I can make this record a recording sheet that can be used over and over? So uh, some of it is just sort of like systems thinking, like how am I going to make this work in my classroom? Um, Sometimes I see this is le the less, but sometimes I see that um, games with get withheld from students as a punishment or or a reward. Right. You can only play the games. Um, you know, if somebody decides that some teachers do a game of everyday math teaches four lessons a week, so often teachers will be on Wednesday or or Friday um, is our game day or whatever, and you can only play games if you do all of this. All of this this and this and it's the kids the kids need to play whether they've done it does right. it doesn't need to be a reward it, it is an integral part integral part of um the learning that's that ha is happening or needs to happen and so yeah. that's that can be a barrier so much of that discussion over the mathematics with the other learners right it, that's it happens mm -hmm. in the games right yeah I think, you know, speaking of that, there's another worry that comes, I've heard from administrators that, well, what if they're practicing it wrong? What if they're playing the game wrong? Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's those discussions of when it, you know, they're sometimes discovering something new or creating a new game. Um, so I don't, I don't usually worry about that, but I hear that that is often a concern of, um, of administrators. Right. And it's, yeah, it's, it's natural to me on one level, uh, but if you, if you get a chance to see the learning happening with the play, uh, I feel like it goes away. Right. So right. Yeah. right. Right. Well, and we can't, and we, you can't leave that learning to chance. We have to monitor what the students are doing and making, you know, checking in with them, making sure, but um, I don't know. I think that the worry is that if they play it wrong, a whole bunch, then they're always going to, they're never going to know the difference 
but often it's that aha when they figure out that I've been playing, you've been playing this wrong, that actually the learning happens. Mm -hmm. um, I think about for five years, I, the the type of study I did was a, um, a, phenom a phenomenology. So um, one of the pieces of that is you have to do this thing called an, it's spelled E-P-O-C-H-E. And I was pronouncing it epoch for three years probably with my advice with my advisor with my chair and with my committee and nobody corrected me oh wow and then i was watching a video about um doing an epoche <laughs> <laughs> i tell you i practiced it wrong for three years yeah. <laughs> i have never said it wrong you know it's like that <laughs> learning yeah. that what it is you know that was like that was the learning moment was when I realized I'd been saying it wrong and yeah bless the hearts for not <laughs> me. yeah how would you suggest a teacher might get started right maybe they have some resources already if they've got a curriculum that has them um but but kind of what's the the internal thing that has to happen for a teacher to start um engaging their learners in play the internal, like the thinking, the, the no. teacher's thinking. Yeah, I think that it's recognizing that that, that the play is essential, that this isn't frivolous. Um, oh, I know another uh, another barrier um, came up just as you, as you were asked that question. Um, some teacher, teachers are worried about behaviors. You know, mm -hmm. are, you know, yes, yeah, sometimes you do have to teach students how to take turns, especially right. in the early grades. Um, so that can be a not not trusting your students that they will be engaged and they'll, they'll do the right things can also be a barrier. But you have to set up, um, you have to have it keep in mind that this is essential. And then you have to decide how is this gonna work in my classroom? How am I gonna organize the games? Am I gonna you know put parts and pieces in, in baggies or uh, three ring binders? That's what I've been doing most recently. How am I going to organize them? What are the materials they're going to need? And then um, you have to teach the kids how to do it, right? Yeah. You have to teach them what you want them to do. Teach, you know, setting up what's our procedure for getting out our getting out the games. What's our procedure for playing the game? You know, we keep the pieces on the table. We, I just I think of one that I had with um, when we were using snap cubes. If you you can't you um, tr keep your your trains to lower than your knee, no longer than or no higher than your knee, you know, because they sometimes will go, you know, they'll do as other high as things. it goes, yeah, right, right. So we had some guy. You have to have the guidelines, um, but but not letting and when it doesn't go well, not letting that deter you. That mm. I just need. So what 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 was it that fell apart? Is it that they forgot how to go get the materials. They um, maybe they don't know how to share their thinking with a friend. Maybe they need a, a little lesson on um, with sentence starters. Like I got, you know, um, uh, I'll say uh, tens go fish. You know, maybe they don't know how to say, John, do you have a blank? Right. And maybe the other person has never played go fish and they need a sentence starter saying, you know, no, go 
go fish or whatever. So sometimes you have to give them, teach them the language. In, um, but again, keeping in mind that it's so essential that you can't let it fall apart. That if it does fall apart, that you can't let that deter you, that, that there's some other element that we can teach the students that um, can help them play the, and access the games. Yeah, the, the importance of it makes it worth the effort to get yes. those routines going and get that culture established. Right. Yeah. And you and really you're teaching them so much more too than just I'm thinking I'm going to focus on math because that's where my head is these days. But um, you're teaching them so much more about than just math. You're teaching them social skills. You're building that, helping them take turns and building that um, prefrontal cortex in their brain. And you're just teaching them so much more. And yeah. and that that is also the part that makes it worth it. That I'm not just teaching content. I'm teaching something bigger. Yeah, I, I really hear that because as you were talking, I was thinking about, well, if my students don't know about taking turns, I want to, I want them to know that, you know, and if they don't know how to ask people or how to collaborate or how to set up and put away, right, that those are those are things I want them to learn also. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I want to build because I want to build capacity, like I want to build capacity in my teachers, I want to build capacity in the students that they can independently go get materials out, play the game and put them away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nice. Okay. Well, there's, there is one more question. I promise it is not evaluative. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, there's uh, a lot of judgment around this one, I think. Oh, <laughs> there can be. <laughs> right. But I, I, think I know what it is. asking you, I promise you um, it is not. So uh, would you rather be panda or lion? Well, I'm going to go out on the limb and say I would rather be a panda. All right. I just think that, um, and I guess for myself, I'm thinking about grown animals at this point, not not tight like lion cubs playing and tumbling in the Lion King. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because all children, that's the other thing, all mammals play to some extent, mm. right? So yeah. that's how they're learning. Um, but I think I would rather be a panda. Um, I really don't want to have to kill something to eat it. Like I just, a panda's like, they get, I mean, and maybe they do. And I don't even know about that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but in my mind, they just seem like they, um, are more peaceful and, um, just seems, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. I'm signing up for the bamboo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds like sounds like a good place to be. Very good. Okay. Well, I can't thank you enough, Kathy. I really appreciate you talking with us, and um, I hope we get to talk again. I hope so too. Thanks, right. John. Thanks, Kathy. Yep. <laughs> Bye. A special thanks to Joshua Davis for letting us use his music at the beginning and ending of this episode.